0: All right, hey there, we are live now. If you can hear me, great. If not, uh, somebody say something. Let me see, we'll wait for some people to join. If you have some questions, type them in the chat. We've got somebody on. Uh, what we'll do is we'll answer the questions that were that are submitted live first, you know, just as a courtesy to everyone who is live, and then we'll hit the uh, questions that were sent in uh, via email or text chat or whatever else it is. So we do have uh, some cool news to share, too. Um, once uh, more people get on, we'll be happy to start there. So we've got two people on, let's see anybody got any questions type them in. I can't see actually who's on I don't believe, Uh, at least I don't know how maybe, Um, but I'll figure it out I guess. All right, so have we got any questions or we just, I'll just start hitting the questions that were sent in. Let me pull those up. I'll be looking off to the side a little bit. All right, so I'm just gonna start with the questions and if you guys have any questions, uh, you are welcome to type them in. I'll be checking the chat. I'll answer the live questions uh, first. So first of all, welcome everyone uh, to the next live. I will answer your uh, questions. I'll answer the live questions first. Uh, We'll wait for people to join, but I'll start with some of the sent in ones. So um, John, Adam says, should I be concerned about my low heart rate? My Apple watch indicates that my resting heart rate is around 42. But when I sleep, my heart rate drops into the 37 to 35 range. It doesn't really affect me, except on occasions I'll get a little light when I stand up quickly from sitting down for an extended period of time. I'm not really sure how accurate my watch is. I've read different things. Some people say it is accurate. Some people say they aren't that accurate. Um, So what are your thoughts uh, on this? Um, okay, so first of all, yeah, those watches, um, for the most part, are pretty accurate at uh, getting your heart rate. Now, sometimes they're not. That's the thing. You know, we they they're pretty good at detecting irregular heart rates too. Uh, there was a study that came out. I think it was specifically on the Apple Watch um, that said it's pretty accurate at picking up atrial fibrillation, which is an irregular heart rhythm. Um, so. If you're, if, if John, and if you're like, if you're a young, uh, pretty athletic person, I wouldn't worry too much if your heart rates in the 40s and 50s. Uh, most people when they sleep, their heart rate gets even lower. Um, if you're, if you're overweight, and you have sleep apnea, then yeah, I would be concerned. Uh, people with sleep apnea can have lower heart rates um, in the 30s, even uh, sometimes even lower than that when they're sleeping. Um, but I, I wouldn't be too worried. Uh, About it, if it's in the uh, 40s or like you know upper 30s or whatnot, so um, that would be the answer to that um, question. Like I said, if you're just if you're joining us now, I'm doing some of the questions that people sent in, but you're welcome to post questions in the chat. Um, The next question is from uh, Radar. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, My triglycerides are elevated. Is there anything I can do to lower them? I've been very good from a nutritional standpoint. I occasionally eat out. Uh, I guess he, I think he or maybe she uh, re- does fast food. I'm pretty consistent with my workouts, but every year my test shows very high levels of triglycerides. I use olive oil, peanut oil for cooking, mostly, mostly vegetarian with some chicken for protein. I can't figure it out. So um, this is a really good question. Triglycerides, generally when they're elevated, it's usually a sign of some type of metabolic disturbance, um, and especially uncontrolled diabetes. Um, usually the, the number one cause of uh, elevated triglycerides is uncontrolled type 2 diabetes, and I would highly recommend getting that under control. Now, there are some things you can do uh, to lower that. Number one would be to lose weight. I don't know. You said you work out consistently, but you didn't say if you're overweight or not. Um, weight loss definitely helps with your entire lipid profile, as you know, especially triglycerides. Those kind of dip down first before the rest of your lipid profile improves. You'll notice your triglycerides sort of go down first, um, even with the with small amounts of uh, weight loss. Um, I'm trying to get this uh, microphone situated here. The next thing I would say is, if you're not on cholesterol medications until you accomplish that goal. Uh, of getting your weight off and, you know, getting on and getting to a good diet, you definitely want to probably take cholesterol medications, probably something in the statin medications. They do lower all of your cholesterols as well as triglycerides. Um, but I said, like, without knowing you, if you're st- if you're in the chat, please, uh, you know, raise your hand or say something. Uh, but without knowing more about you, how young you are, how old you are, it's kind of hard to tell. If you have multiple risk factors for heart disease, then, yeah, you probably definitely need to be on something. Um, If you uh, do not have uh, multiple risk factors for heart disease, then definitely go the lifestyle route. Try to, you know, lose weight, eat even healthier than you already are doing. Um, Definitely the elevated triglycerides is a sign of uh, type 2 diabetes. I would start there. Um, The next one is Kimberly. I'll skip the last names on most of these if they didn't put their last name on there. Um, I uh, where is it? Um, I was told that I cannot use creatine if I have a family history of heart disease or while taking statins. Is this true? Um, so no, this is not true. Creatine is super safe. It's been around for 50, 60 years now, tons and tons of research on it. If you look, if you, the rest of you guys who don't know what creatine is, um, it's a, uh, molecule that, um, uh, it's, it's my, mon- it's a creatine monohydrate. It gives ATP back a, uh, phosphate, Um, so that you can keep lifting. If you're weightlifting, uh, you get one more rep, one more set, slightly heavier sets. You know, you can increase the weight a little, um, if you have heart disease, there's really no correlation there that I know of. Um, like I don't believe I've seen anything on that. Um, so definitely you should be completely safe taking. A lot of people ask me, uh, my teenager wants to take creatine. Is that okay? Yeah. For the most part it is. I know I started taking it when I was 14, Um, But definitely that's something you uh, can do. And then a lot of people ask me, can females, can women take uh, creatine? Yeah, you can definitely take it. It's really not been associated with anything. Next question is from Jennifer. My mom died of multiple strokes in her mid-60s. What tests should I have run on myself? Um, So this is a really good question. Without knowing more about your mother, and if you're in the chat, please uh, say something, Um, but the biggest thing will be finding out Uh, if she was a smoker, if she was a smoker, then yeah, sure. Smoking plus really bad genetics could give you multiple strokes in your sixties. Now, if you're, if she was a smoker and you're not, you probably don't have a lot to worry about other than just getting your cholesterol, uh, numbers checked. Um, and if they're high or they've been high your whole life and you're a little bit older, like, you know, 50 or 60 or more, you probably should be taking a baby aspirin every day just to prevent that. It's very good at preventing first time, uh, strokes. I know the guidelines and the data and the research and people keep going back and forth on aspirin for primary prevention but you and your your situation would kind of be one of those cases where we're like you know what mom had multiple strokes wasn't a smoker daughter isn't a smoker similar cholesterol similar genetics probably should be on this on uh, baby aspirin Um, but that would be one way to do it like i said without knowing more about your mom i can't really answer that question now if she was a heavy smoker, didn't take care of herself, obese, hypertensive, and didn't get her blood pressure under control, diabetes out of control, all that stuff, then all that adds up. Bad genetics plus lots of risk factors is obviously um, a terrible combination. So that may be what happened there. But if you're telling me your mom's otherwise super genetically or super healthy and athletic and you know runs marathons and all that and then had a bunch of strokes in her 60s and died then there's a lot more worse genetics and uh we know she could have one of these things like familial hyperlipidemia or something um courtney's asking for my husband can you realistically combat high cholesterol and poor genetics without the use of statins <laughs> so this is a good question um can you really say combat high cholesterol? Yeah, you can combat it. You can try to. There's been lots of studies done. Um, one of the best studies that they did, they took 20,000 people um, and had them uh, run three times a week, but at least five miles a day, or like five, two to three miles each time, three to four times a week, and not eat saturated fat or cholesterol or anything like that. And at the end of the day, the, the, the people that, did the best in the study, lowered their cholesterol by about 10%. Um, that was the average, not the best. The, the average was 10% reduction in, in cholesterol, LDL, all that stuff. Um, the best people in the study reduced their cholesterol by 15%, 16%. Um, but right around 10 to 12% seems to be how much you can lower your cholesterol by doing... Um, lifestyle changes. So you, you're for your husband, I'd say, yeah, you can try to combat high cholesterol. But I would also say how high is high? If your, if your husband's cholesterol is like 180, 200, 210. Um, I would say, yeah, you can combat it with lifestyle changes. If his cholesterol is like 250 260 280 then no you really need to be on something and you're and you're saying he has poor genetics too i'm not sure what the poor genetics part of it is but i'm assuming that he has really high cholesterol is the poor genetics part um so definitely um i would combat it both uh, i would attack it with the lifestyle changes uh as well as uh probably statins now we have other medications statins aren't the only meds available um for combating high cholesterol, so please talk to your doctor, and we can talk about that later. Um, Zane is in the chat, and Zane says, hello. Oh, hello, Zane. Um, if you have questions, like I said, I'm taking the live questions first before I answer the ones that were sent in. Um, next one we have, let's see, who's this? Uh, Jason. I was diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy approximately 12 centimeter. Oh, I thought I said 12 months ago. No, 12 millimeter septal wall one doctor wants me to be on beta blockers forever, and the other wants me off of them. Pros and cons, are there certain risks moving forward? So um 12 millimeters is not that thick. So hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, it, it, it's the, your heart muscle, it's thick. It gets thickened. Like, you know, say this is one of your muscles, it gets a little bit thicker. So up to like, you know, 9 to 10, 11, 12, you know, millimeters is not that big of a deal. It's not that thick um, on this model heart. Maybe I'll show you guys here. This is the model heart. This is the septum. Um, it can get too thick sometimes. And that's that condition where athletes drop dead. It's called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. If you have that, and it's really thick, we're talking like 30 millimeters, 35, you know, 25 to 35, somewhere like really high, um, plus a history of dying, sudden cardiac death. then yeah, that would happen. But at 12, probably not going to happen at 12. It's probably reversible. Uh, most of the people that come in with a, uh, 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 septum like that. It's probably because of uncontrolled hypertension. You just need to uh, get on uh, blood pressure meds, and that will probably come down. And you'll you'll be just fine. Um, next question, Linda. Was the demonizing of saturated fats warranted? (laughs) It's kind of a loaded question. I don't know why people think saturated fats is like this loaded question. It's like so complicated and difficult to answer and no one's telling the truth about it and all that. Look, the data is there. Um, Every once in a while, you get some people who have an agenda they're like, oh, my God, that that the Alan Keyes 7Cs study from the 1950s and 60s showed this, this, and that. Well, look, you know, that was in the 1960s. That was like 60, 70 years ago. We now have um, – hey, Vicky, how are you? Nice seeing you as well. We now have uh, 60 to 70 more years of research on saturated fats, and without question – saturated fat intake directly correlates with elevated cholesterol, and and especially LDL, the the, the bad cholesterol. Um, And there's no question at all in the science that elevated cholesterol leads or highly correlates, however you want to put it, leads to cardiovascular mortality and cardiovascular death. I mean, that's just not a question anymore. So I'm not sure um, why people are afraid to answer this question. We know with absolute certainty that a LDL below 57, you're not going to have a heart attack or stroke. It just doesn't happen. Um, and, and we know the higher your LDL, the more likely you are to have a stroke and and, and the more likely you are to have a heart attack. Um, so, yeah, saturated fat definitely raises uh, your cholesterol. It, and and, there, and if you're not sure and you want to read one single study about it, look up the Finland study. Um, the Finland study, maybe I'll, I'll post uh, some of it in here. Um, the Finland study, let me type this in here real quick. The graphics from it are pretty cool. Um, even just this one study by itself. Uh, so I'll explain it first and then maybe I'll show you if I could share my screen maybe. Um, but the Finland study, uh, North Karelia, there's this a, a area in, uh, Northern Finland. It was a rural area, kind of like a farm town, um, that they had 700 deaths per 100,000 people living there, which was the highest in the world at the time, the highest amount of death. So the the government, you know, wanted to figure out what on earth is going on and how can we improve this. So they uh, went to North Karelia and figured out, you know, they eat a lot of butter, bacon, cheese, you know, it's a rural community. They eat a lot of lard, um, lots and lots of saturated fat. Their, Their cholesterols were super high they're uh they smoked a lot you know almost 80 percent of the men smoked and something like 30 40 percent of the women smoked at the time this is in the all 1970s 1972. Um, their blood pressures were and the men their average was like 180 you know something ridiculous and a lot of times it was over 200 um lots and lots of different factors obesity was a big factor i said you know what we're going to have a multi-pronged approach we're going to attack this thing from different angles and we're going to try to reduce cardiovascular mortality in north Karelia. so they did they went in there and started educating people cut out saturated fats you know get your blood pressure under controls try to lose weight stop smoking blah 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 whatever whatever within uh with, you know, they follow these people out all the way even up to now, but even up in 2018. um, But pretty quickly, you saw an 84% reduction in cardiovascular mortality. 84%. So what they did is they expanded that program to the rest of Finland. um, And you ended up with almost a 90% reduction in mortality. There's almost nothing in medicine, or any interventions or anything we can do that reduces mortality by... 90-some-odd percent. Very, 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 very rare. Um, and so they they looked at uh, what led to that 84 90% reduction in mortality. They found that the vast majority of it came from the reduction in saturated fat, which was the, what they said was about 40% of it. 20% came from lowering uh, blood pressure and a few other percentage points here and there for, like, obesity and smoking. They didn't actually lose weight. The weight stayed about the same. They actually gained weight. And then the smoking... Uh, cessation efforts the men did uh s- smoke less the women actually increased their smoking but then dipped back down again um so that was a really cool study we have now tons more studies on this um cholesterol really isn't a uh debated issue at least not in medicine i mean you know maybe you listen to these people on instagram or facebook or something and they're like oh my god i love saturated fat it's so good for you it's a healthy fat no it's not um furthest thing from the truth. Um, But anyway, so I hope that answers your question. Um, If not, just uh, drop in a a message or a follow-up question if you want. Um, Next question. I have two teenagers, not, well, I have a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 14-year-old. Oh, kind of sounds like me. I have a nine-year-old, a twelve-year-old, and a fourteen-year-old, but I also have a seven-year-old. Um, so, can I work out with my kids, especially strength training? You, we've read all, all the things online where people say that strength training at a young age can impede growth or height or stature. Is this true? So, we used to think that. I don't know. This was some kind of myth that uh, spread a lot um, where people thought if you want to, if you start weightlifting at a young age, that suddenly magically you're going to get shorter, you're not going to grow, it's going to ruin your growth plates. They've now, uh, debunked these studies. You can totally, uh, work out my seven and nine year old work out with me all the time. They lift weights. I mean, we don't do anything crazy. The amount of weight that it would take to destroy your epiphyseal growth plates is ridiculous and no child should be doing that. There's no seven year old that should be Uh, squatting 400 pounds or whatever it is they play around the weights they lift them just getting used to the movements Um, my older two kids the 12 and 14 year old definitely lift weights more like an adult they don't go crazy lifting super heavy weights like they're not trying to die Um, but they do, they lift weights, they push themselves. I make sure they're doing it and they're doing it correctly with the proper form. I always tell them, try to lift the most amount of weight you can with the proper form. Now, this is not a one rep max. This is like for the amount of reps they're doing. So if they're trying to do eight to 12 reps, I'll I'll mention, I'll talk about your thing in a second here, Vicky. So if they're trying to do eight to 12 reps and they're picking a weight where they can do eight to 12 reps, I want them to do, to pick a weight that they can do eight to 12 reps in proper form with the proper form. So that it, they're actually working out the correct muscles. There's no point in like doing a lat pull down. If you're pulling it in front of you and you're basically working out your chest, it's a lat pull down. You want to use your lats. It's got to be behind you or like a, you're rowing it backwards uh, almost. So that is very, very important um, with your kids. All right, so Vicky is saying, oh, wow, interesting. Just what does a atorvastatin do for your health slash cholesterol? So atorvastatin or any statin, um, they're a HMG-CoA reductase uh, inhibitor. This is an enzyme in your liver that basically stops your body um, from uh, transforming hormones like... Uh, cholesterol and, and things like that. it stops producing them basically. It it blocks a a very important step in the production of cholesterol. Um, 85 to 90% of your cholesterol comes from your liver. It's not cholesterol that you ingest. Um, only about now, maybe even less, but it's like five, maybe 10, 15% of the, the cholesterol that's circulating in your system actually comes from food food you ingest. Although now that less things have cholesterol in them and people are you know not eating as much cholesterol, um, so we're not seeing as much uh, in the food that we take, but 90% of your cholesterol is from your liver, and saturated fat signals that. And hmg co-ice reductase inhibitors, or statins, uh, block a very important step in that pathway, and they're one of the few drugs that has been associated with a, a tremendous reduction in uh, cardiovascular mortality. Um, and there's other ones now. There's there, we have different ways of blocking cholesterol. We can block the LDL receptor now. Um, we can uh, the the prescription fish oil EPA uh, now also reduces cardiovascular mortality and surprisingly all cause mortality. Um, that was a very interesting study when it came out. You know we wanted we wanted to reduce cardiovascular mortality and it turned out it reduces all cause mortality too, which is like if you were going to get hit by a truck, <laughs> the chance of that goes down too. Um, all right, so let's go to next question. Harris is asking, oh, that's a really long one. Oh, uh, my wife gave birth. Five days after giving birth, she went to the hospital. They found sepsis, group B strep. She had open heart surgery because it damaged her valve. They repaired the valve. They didn't have to replace it. They repaired it. All that being said, my wife wants to get back to strength training. So here's the questions. Would there be any limitations for her to perform strength training exercises after she fully heals due to the repair of the sternotomy? So that's a good question. Sternotomy, for those of you who know, is that cut down the middle of your chest for open-heart patients that's... Um, They put wires and it takes a really long time to heal. That bone is not as vascular uh, as other ones. So it takes a little bit longer to heal. You know, most bones, like you break your arm or something, it takes six to eight weeks and it's pretty much 90, 95% healed. Um, The sternum, though takes a lot longer. I mean, I've seen people seven, eight months out and it's still, you know, not fully healed and it's got a little bit of shifting to it. So yeah, but your wife should be able to do anything strength wise, not involving the sternum. Uh, So bench press might be tricky, but definitely squats, deadlifts. Well, maybe not deadlifts, but squats, um, overhead presses, maybe just start slow and go up. I would say deadlifts should be okay, depending on how you perform them um but yeah there should be no reason um to to worry about that i would definitely uh try to do that um so yeah so mitral valve repairs uh, to make sure she goes to cardiac rehab i know monty on here um uh, went to cardiac rehab after having aortic valve replacement so we'll we'll talk to him about that um but yeah definitely uh do the cardiac rehab it's a great program gets you stronger gets your heart stronger um and and having valve surgery qualifies you the next question, would you recommend for her to... St- oh, same same person. Would you re- recommend for her to start any specific program? Um, is there a special program? Well, I could type one in. I have an exercise program. If you just go to Dr. Allo, go to my YouTube and just type in exercise program. It should be there. You can uh, download the whole thing here. Let me just type it in. For those of you who watch this later without the chat feature being live. Um, not sure why that's red, but I guess you could click it. But if you're watching it later, just go to Dr. drallo.net slash exercise. That'll take you to my exercise program. Uh, you can download it, you get access to it. It's an online portal. You get the PDF of the exercises, the schedule, the timings, how to do everything, and then you get a, a long video. You get access to a really long video that uh, demonstrates all of the exercises. So I would recommend that. Um, also, I would say if she wants to focus more on legs, um, my leg and glute program is pretty awesome. I'll put that in here as well. If you Go to drallonet slash glute. I believe it's glutes. Let me type that in here. Yeah, it's dot .glute. D- D-R-A-L-O, drallo.net slash glute. Um, that'll take you to my leg focus program that is um, supposed to help you grow your glutes and legs while not also ignoring your chest and back. So she'll probably have to ignore chest for a while. Um, when I had rotator cuff surgery on my shoulder, I basically couldn't do anything upper body for like three to four months, even longer. Like I really couldn't lift uh, chest presses or anything for a really long time. Um, even now, it's like completely—it's not 100% back to normal. Um, but she should be fine. She she can do the leg stuff while trying as much as possible to do some upper body stuff um, without you know injuring her sternum. And it'll tell you—you'll feel the pain, or you'll feel it like kind of moving um, or whatnot. Um, and next question. Anne is asking, I would love some guidance uh, or parameters on bodybuilder, high-output athletes with regards to cholesterol numbers. Hormone replacement therapy for menopause seems to have affected my cholesterol. While some may attribute it to being more high-protein, high-fat, autoimmune, and food allergies, this is a healthy option for me. If body composition is good with solid lean body mass, what type of leeway can one have? So this is a really, really good question. Um you obviously have, like, overweight patients that uh, they can't get away with with as much, kind of like what you're saying, Ann. Um, the more overweight you are, the less you can get away with because you're, you're metabolically not in a good place. You're obese. Your inflammatory markers are elevated. You, you're not um, healthy metabolically. If you are, for the most part, healthy and you're pretty lean and it kind of sounds like that's what you're saying – if my body composition is good with solid lean body mass, what type of leeway can one have? So it sounds like you're you're pretty lean if you got a lot of lean body mass. And I don't know how lean you are, but it sounds like you have a lot of muscle. Um, the leaner you are, I'll put it this way, the leaner you are, the more in terms of saturated fat you can get away with. Now, if you're eating more chicken or, like you said, higher fat or more protein, um, if you're eating more fat, your cholesterol, depending on what kind of fat it is and the composition or the amount of it, your, your cholesterol is going to go up um, a little bit. Um, but like I said, if you're pretty lean, it's not as big of a deal. Um, you know, that reminded me, uh, the question earlier about saturated fats. Um, there was a group and this blows my mind why this group even did this. There was a group in October, 2019 to decide to publish their own guidelines on saturated fat. They took one study this is the stupidity like this is why we shouldn't look at one single study but they took one study where they looked at reducing saturated fat and they found that it really didn't make a difference but if you read the study they reduced to- saturated fat from from to take from 12% 11% of total calories down to like 9 10% of total calories that's ridiculous that's literally like not even a change back when they did the north Karelia study in finland the the percentage of uh uh, total calories for saturated fat. Like if I was eating, let's say 2000 calories a day, they in the beginning of North Korea, uh, 23 to 24% of my total calories were saturated fat, it was super, super high. By the end of the study, they got it down to 10% or less. So now you're taking people with like 10, 11, 12% and reducing it by one percentage point saying, Oh my god, there's no makes no difference. Well, sure. It's already super low. I mean, if you have like, 12 bucks in your bank account and you reduce it to 10, you still barely have any money in your bank account. I mean, that's what we're talking about here with that study. And I have no idea why this group decided to publish this. They're not the American Heart Association. They're not the American College of Cardiology. It was some random group that decided, well, saturated fat is no longer a big deal. Yes, it is. (laughs) That's like I said, that's like saying, well, today I had $11 in my bank account and I reduced it over the span of the next three months to $10 or maybe nine and nothing happened. I didn't have a heart attack. I didn't have a stroke. You know, I barely anything happened. Well, sure. Like you barely even changed your numbers. I mean, 10% of total calories is 10% of total calories. If you're off by a percentage point here or there, it's really not that big of a deal. You're not going to see a difference. Don't go around telling me, well, then saturated fat. It's no big deal. Fine. Take those people. You want to do a real study. It should be It's unethical because you would kill people, but go take those people that are eating 10% of their calories from saturated fat and increase it back to 25%, and then see what happens. Your mortality will go back up 85% or whatever it was. Um, it was 84% reduction, so it'll probably just go back up, you know, 84 points, <clears throat> which we don't ever want. It would be unethical. No one would do that study. Vicky is asking, your exercise program is very helpful. I use it all the time. Since I am a heart patient, it helped me do the right exercises and not trying to overdo. it. I love that, Vicky. That's exactly what I designed it for. There is a video for it. I'm sure you've already found that, though. Uh, but yeah, feel free to reach out if you have questions. I obviously love answering questions. Um, so I hope that answers Anne's question about the uh, what kind of leeway you can have. Um, let's see, Was there any other questions that I'm missing here? Some of these are really long and I'm trying to shrink them down. Um, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, I I was watching, uh, (laughs) this is kind of off topic. I was watching an interview with a cardiothoracic surgeon. I'm not going to mention his name or call him out, but he, he actually said this. He's like, yeah, now that saturated fat is no longer an issue. Like, dude, what are you talking about? Saturated fat is an issue. He probably read that stupid new guideline in October 2019 and believed it, but he probably didn't actually read it. Yes, saturated fat is an issue. That guy, I mean, this interview was like over an hour long, and there's so many things wrong with it. I feel like I should probably do a video about it. Um, But he was this guy that was on this keto kick, and he read Gary Taubes' books, and holy smokes, he thinks Gary Taubes has got some magic formula. And, uh, everyone should just eat loads of fat and loads of protein. And that's how you lose weight. I mean, sure that can work because initially it reduces your caloric intake, but that's not going to work long-term. All the studies show that none of these crazy restrictive diets have long-term efficacy. Not only that, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard to do. Plus if you, if you look at him, he's still like pretty overweight. Um, he's definitely not lean by, I mean, sure. He talks about how he was morbidly obese before and now he's lost a lot of weight. Congratulations. i um, super happy about that. But definitely, he's still pretty overweight. I mean, I don't know uh, what uh, the point he was trying to make with the whole keto diet thing, but I think he was trying to sell a book. I don't remember. Uh, but anyways, it was a really, really long, drawn-out lecture or interview, actually, Um, with this this other crazy doctor. But anyways, I'm not going to get into that. Um, All right, so any more questions? If there's no more questions, I'll see if we have any more here. Let me open up just this one other file. Somebody said they sent something. Let me look here. Okay, here's one. This one is good. This was sent in by Iman. Uh, Dr. Aloe, I know you always talk about having a good relationship with food, but I think I have a really bad relationship with food. Can you just clarify what you mean by good or bad foods or having a good or bad relationship with food? Okay, so this is a really good question. You're right, Iman. I definitely talk about this a lot. Um, a good relationship with food means that you, uh, are not afraid of food. The biggest problem I have is people like when they start going on a restrictive diet and they have this mindset of like they're at war with food, like everything is bad. I'm going to a birthday party and it's gonna all be bad. It's gonna be horrible, I don't know what to eat. It's all pizza and pop and ice cream and it's bad. Like you have this horrible relationship with food whereas if you had a good relationship with food, you could view pizza and pop and ice cream as foods that may not be nutritious as a huge salad. However, they have nutritional value all foods are composed of macronutrients. They're either made of carbs, protein, and fat, or some combinations. Some are more protein and fat. Some are more carbs and protein. Some are more whatever. But my point is food is just food. I also don't like assigning moral value to food that like pizza is evil. It's bad for you all the time. All pizza is bad. Or kale and quinoa is always great killing quinoa is magical it's beautiful it's amazing food no food is just food stop assigning moral value to food um, if you go to my mindset course which is actually free um, I'll put that in here too Go to drall.net slash mindset. You can watch the mindset program. It's a free course, but it's um, basically like we like more food food is not moral. Food is not either good nor bad. You cannot have like foods that are evil, but but if you have that mindset where you're always at war with food and, and you're, you're you're not, you don't have a good relationship with food, you're going to always be battling against food and fighting food and, you know, hating yourself and hating food. Like everything becomes a war. Like, oh, we're going to the movies today. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. What am I going to do? What am I going to eat? I can't go to the movies. I can't go to the movies. I'm just going to make up an excuse. I'm just going to tell my friends that I can't go. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to say this, this, that, and the other thing. Like, no, um, food is just food. You don't have to view food as this uh, thing you're always at war with or always battling with. Like, it's just food, just enjoy it. There's literally um, nothing wrong uh, with food people also have a bad relationship with exercise oh my god my scale i looked at the scale today and i gained two pounds or one pound or whatever half a pound i'm gonna go to the gym and i'm gonna do legs today and then i'm gonna do the stair climber for eight hours and i'm gonna burn 10, 10 million steps or whatever it is like that's that's having a bad relationship with exercise so you can have a bad relationship with food and you shouldn't. And if you do my mindset course, you'll learn a lot about that. But you also shouldn't have a bad relationship with uh, exercise. That's just a horrible existence. Like, because you gained half a pound or you ate pizza last night, now you're going to go to the gym in the morning and pound yourself and beat yourself up and, like, punish yourself. You shouldn't punish yourself with exercise or food. Okay, I ate too much today or whatever it is. I went over my calories. I'm not going to eat anything tomorrow till midnight. Like, come on, just stop. So I, I always talk about having a really, really good relationship with food and a really, really good relationship with exercise. Those two kind of go together. Um, welcome to the new uh, people who joined. Pop your questions in the chat box. Um, but yeah, you definitely, you want to develop a really, really healthy And not just healthy, but a good relationship uh, with food. Um, So uh, having a good relationship with food, good relationship with exercise, all super important. I posted the mindset course there. That's a really good way to start with that. But yeah, I like the question, Iman. Iman. Um, if you have a follow up, go ahead and post it. Um, Vicky says, "I will also say your weight loss book is very helpful too. I hope everyone will look at your videos, read your books, and trust your advice. Thank you, Vicky. I appreciate it. Yeah, actually, that was one of the. I was going to announce some good news today. Um, I we've had on Amazon. Let me click on here. I'm looking at the screen. We've had about 300 sales of books on Amazon, and this doesn't include the PDFs, the digital books. I think we've had almost 200 of those. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I never thought uh, (laughs) that that writing a book would sell that. I thought I was writing it for a very niche uh, audience, which was going to be doctors who want to give something to their patients to say, hey, look, here's how you actually lose weight without restrictive diets, without developing a bad relationship with food, without this, without that. Here's a cardiologist, personal trainer who knows the science and has been doing this for like 20 years now um but it's obviously got some mass appeal and i've been getting tons and tons of messages and pictures from people hey doc what are your thoughts okay this is anthony gonzalez hey are you a former football player for ohio state and then the indianapolis colts um but anyways oh thank you vicky vicky says it's a very good book anthony asks hey doc what are your thoughts on donating blood and reducing heart disease by doing so So I'm not sure, I don't know, I have not seen any studies that have shown that um, bloodletting, or I guess that's what you could call it, but like donating blood would reduce heart disease. Now, there are some people that have hemochromatosis where they have really high iron levels, and if they don't donate blood, pretty consistently their iron levels build up and then get deposited into all their tissues and one of them is your heart and you can get diastolic dysfunction which your heart thickens like you know like we'll go back to the heart model but this is your heart muscle the the metal deposits the iron deposits inside the muscle and in the ligaments and tendons that kind of hold it together um, and it makes the heart less compliant so it normally your heart squeezes and then relaxes this makes it so it doesn't relax as well. At least that's the first stage of the badness that happens from hemochromatosis. Um, So if you have hemochromatosis or certain diseases, then yeah, Anthony, um, donating a lot of blood frequently definitely helps. But for a normal person um, who does not have hemochromatosis or any of these other kinds of diseases, um, donating blood frequently I mean, it may condition you because you're slightly less hemoglobin. You might be like hypoxic conditioning, like as if you went to Denver. If you go to Denver and you run on the mountains, you know, for a few days, you get this hypoxic conditioning. Um, but you can also buy those like uh, hypoxic conditioning masks from um, from Amazon or any workout store. They got these masks that reduce oxygen uh, so that you don't get as much oxygen. It reduces oxygen by a little bit so that you kind of feel like you're in Denver. You feel like you're a mile high. Um, and it helps your your overall uh, conditioning. But a normal person just donating blood to reduce heart disease, that just there's no studies or evidence that shows that helps. But definitely hemochromatosis, if you do have that, you're not just preventing heart disease, you're also preventing liver disease and skin disease, and like wherever uh, the hemochromatosis, wherever the iron deposits, you're pre- you're preventing that. So um, that's one condition um, that definitely helps that. Um, post your questions in the chat. Uh, we'll answer those first and then I'll hit these ones that have been sent to me earlier. Anthony's follow-up says, lol, I wish I was that Tony G. (laughs) Yeah, I wish, right? He was a hell of a player, man. Number 11, Ohio State, uh, did really well. Um, all right. Awesome. Thank you for answering my question. Thoroughly enjoyed you on Monday pump. I think he means mind pump, but yeah, thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, mind pump. Uh, let me see if I can find that link for everyone else. Dr. Allo mind pump. I was on this show called, uh, mind pump. It's a podcast. Um, <clears throat> it was on YouTube as well as their, uh, uh, if you just go on mind pump, there's the YouTube one. Um, there's the uh, channel there. Hey, I'm in a, uh, Oh, it's okay if you're late. Um, so that's my link to the, to the mind pump, uh, podcast that I was on. Great, great group of guys. Um, You can obviously find them on uh, mindpumppodcast.com too. I'll I'll pop that link in here. But I I love the guys at Mind Pump because they're very in tune with like the same um, philosophy, especially when it comes to like having a good relationship with food, good relationship with exercise, how much exercise is too much, how much exercise too little. They're not cardiologists obviously, but they do go over studies. They know their exercise. They know their fitness. What I like too is they know human behavior. Um, they know human behavior really, really well. I mean, if you have any questions, um, just go ahead and type them out. I did, re- I, I've been answering some of the live questions as well as some of the ones people sent in. Um, but yeah, that's the thing I like about Mind Pump. They got a lot of good stuff and they're pretty reasonable. They're, they're not, uh, you know, too out of the, uh, science based realm. Every once in a while they'll have a, uh, ho- a, 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 a guest on there. that's a little bit whack, uh, Ben Greenfield, for example, um, He's just way out there. Um, he, he there isn't uh, an affiliate he wouldn't sell. Um, that's not; those aren't my words. Those are what everybody just says about him. The guy's got like uh, just about anything you can imagine. He sells it with some kind of affiliate link, and I'm sure he does well. But I I just don't think uh, I would do that. So, Amina's asking, "Do you think Noom plan works for weight loss? Thinking about trying it, but it's really pricey. So, look Noom." Is similar to a tracking uh, app, but it has like these psychological incentives almost. So like if you're under your calories, it might be green, or if you ate a salad, it might give you a boost of this. Um, I have had patients do it. It's definitely pricey. How much are they charging nowadays? Back then, it was just um, like five, ten bucks for the whole year. I don't. I mean, is it? I wonder how much it is now. I guess. Um, but definitely, it does give some psychological triggers and incentives. And and their whole philosophy is that we've figured out this whole way to uh trick your mind maybe not trick your mind but help manipulate your mind into like uh losing weight oh boy it's 175 a month now what have you tried i mean like what what else have you tried i don't want you to go down this route of paying a lot of money for something that you could probably do on your own um let let me let me ask you this what have you tried before i wish we could put people on here live i didn't i don't know can we bring people on here live i think we can do that with instagram maybe we'll do that uh later. Um, But so here's the thing. I don't know what you've tried, but just in general, for the vast majority of people, a calorie deficit works. Calorie deficit means you are just reducing caloric intake. What I tell people to do is download a free app like MyFitnessPal. Download MyFitnessPal, plug in your age, weight, sex, and height. Just use the free program. You do not have to pay for the expensive version. The expensive version adds a few more things like with nutrition timing and whatnot, but you don't need that. Just buy the free app, put in your age, weight, height, and sex, and all that. Tell it what you want to weigh. Tell it what you weigh now. And it does a bunch of calculations. And I found for the vast majority of people, MyFitnessPal works uh, pretty well. The only thing I would do is adjust the uh, ratios of carbs, protein, and fat to 40-40-40. I I typed it in here for you, Amina. It's 40-40-20. 40 protein, 40 carbs, 20 fat. Now, for most people, that puts you at about one gram of protein, one gram of protein uh, per pound of lean body mass or per pound of body mass. Um, and that should work. I, I find that my Fitness Pal gives people way too little proteins. They give you like 20% of your calories as protein, 20% fat, and the other 60% uh, as carbs, which is fine. You'll still lose weight. But I find if you want to preserve lean body mass and, and not uh, – uh, lose muscle or maybe even gain muscle while doing it. You got to up your protein. So I'd go 40, 40, 20 on that protein, carbs, and and fat. If you don't feel like messing with it or can't find it, don't worry about it. Just leave it alone. Um, but the calorie counting thing works. It kind of depends on your starting weight and age really. Um, I usually tell people multiply your weight by 10. So let's say you're 200 pounds. That would be 2000 calories a day. That should cause weight loss for most people. Um, it may or may not. Okay. Okay. So good. You added some more info. Let's see. My mom and her sister got gastric sleeve surgery. They lost all of the weight, but I don't want to get surgery. I'm 190 pounds. I'd like to get to 140. Okay. So you're 190, 43 years old. Um, I could do some quick calculations for you. Let me t- tap in here for a second. This get you. I think you've given me more than enough info to figure this out. Let me just type this in here. We're giving you some custom stuff here. I'm going to just give me a second. I'm looking down because I'm looking at my phone. Are you doing resistance training by any chance or not really? I'm just going to assume no, but if you do, it's just bonus. Oh, how tall are you? 43, 193. I'm sorry, 190. I'm going to assume you're 5'2". I would guess that would be... I mean, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference. It all really just depends on your weight. Oh, 5'6". Okay, let me go back. That That's a little bit taller. So that may make a slight difference. All right, let's see what we've got here. So, according to my calculations, and my fitness pal would probably be pretty close, you're looking at about 1500 calories as a severe deficit. So, like I said, you're, if you just multiply your weight by about 10, you should be close. I'm saying 1850 to 1, 1, 1900. The issue with going, um, so here it is. So, for females, because their metabolism is just slightly slower, you might not notice. Uh, the deficit might be so small that you're not noticing enough of a difference. Like you go all week and you lost 0.2 pounds. You could do that all year and you probably lose 20 pounds, right? But because you're only using half a pound a week, it's imperceptible. So you kind of lose interest or you think it's not working. So I would say go somewhere between 1500 and 1900. Um, 1900 should cause weight loss. I picked a severe deficit for you in my calculator, but 1900 should cause weight loss. It's unless you uh, are already like eating way less than that, okay, now now we're getting here. wow, that's a lot of calories. okay, so are you one of these people not, I'll, I'll, for for some people they're eating so few calories that they need to actually up their calories. So you use okay, let's let me just read some of what you've been typing while I'm talking. I don't want to miss anything. My mom and her sister got gastric sleep. okay, I already read that. I read that. Anthony, I'll get back to you in a second here. I'm 5'6". I use resistance bands and kettlebells. Well, that's a lot. I do like fourteen to 1,500. So have you lost weight at fourteen to 1,500? I'm assuming no, and that's why you're here. Um, So some people eat too little calories. Like if you're under 1,400 and you're a female and you're an adult female, that's really, really low, and you actually have to increase calories. You have to do something called a reverse diet. Um, I don't think I have a video myself on reverse diet, but I do have a video on something called metabolic adaptation let me let me find it for you hello YouTube metabolic adaptation here's the video for you copy the link address so there you have something called metabolic adaptation amina which you're eating too few calories and and you're exercising like crazy um, so you have to, stop doing some of that and you have to increase your calories you got to try to get to 1800 or 1900 it's a mind f word it's um you don't want people like like oh my god i can't eat 1900 that's crazy i'm gonna gain so much weight the weight's gonna go on blah 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 okay just ignore your mom now listen to me now because clearly what you're doing is not working and your mom ended up with gastric sleeve so listen to me here's what you got to do let's say you're eating 1400 calories a day add 100 calories every two weeks. So for the next two weeks, you'll eat 1500. Two weeks after that, it'll be 1700. The two weeks after that, it'll be 1800. And then eventually when you get about to the 1850, maybe 1900 range, you'll start to see the weight come off. Um, So just do that. Check back in with me. I don't know if you're, are you on my email list at all? If you're on my email list, you could just email me. Um, But just go to drallo.net slash free and just sign up for something free. My exercise program, for example, I posted it up. Just scroll back in the chat, the exercise program, dral.net slash exercise or dral.net slash glute. Just get on there and you can reply to any of my emails and I'll answer you probably within 30 seconds. I mean, unless I'm like doing something else or seeing patients, Um, but I'll answer you like almost immediately. Um, But just scroll up a little. I don't know. Here's the exercise one. I'll just copy this again. Um, Just click on any of these, put in your email address. Um, You just scroll up. There's drallo.net slash exercise slash glute slash mindset. You know, all those things are very, very helpful. Um, But definitely just get on there so that I can actually see your stuff. But look, I'm telling you, check back in with me. I want to know in two weeks that you increased your calories. Now, here's the thing, I mean, now you're going to be mad because your your, your weight initially is going to go up. You're deprived of calories. When you're deprived of calories, um, you are short on glycogen. Your muscles are normally used to store glycogen. Now, there's not a lot of storage space, but glycogen is a form of energy that can be stored in your muscles. Um, and when you're calorie restricted as much as you are and have been for so long, uh, you have no, not that much glycogen sitting in your muscles. When you start eating more, your body's going to store glycogen into your muscles, and your water will follow. For every gram of glycogen, three ounces of water follows. So most people, when they start this reverse diet, which is what you're going to be doing, it's called a reverse diet, and you can go, you can YouTube it. There's a lot of videos on reverse diet. But what you do is well, you do what we said: add hundred calories every two weeks or so, or, or do like fifty a week. Do fifty this week, go up another fifty next week. You know, etc., etc. Um, but you're going to gain about, for most men, five to eight pounds, maybe like just right off the bat for most women, four to maybe six or seven pounds. Do not freak out and don't even weigh yourself if you don't want to, but you're going to gain weight. Um, especially once you're like two to three, maybe four weeks into it. But, but usually right off the bat, once you increase calories, you're going to gain a little bit of weight. Um, don't give me that face. I'm in that. if you want to lose weight, you got to do this. Think of this as a, a long program. Um, uh, I'll get to your question in a second, Tala. but think of this as a really long process. I mean, this is not like a two to three month get rich quick scheme where you're going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Like we can cut off your leg and you can lose 30 pounds in one day, um, but you don't want to do that. This is like a long haul. This is not, there's no shortcut. This is how to do it properly. Um, and, and even gastric bypass, whoever's done that or sleeve or whatever, that's not a permanent solution. Every single one of my patients that's had gastric bypass or a sleeve gastrectomy or any of these things they are still pretty overweight. Some of them morbidly obese still. There's a handful that I can count on one hand that are like close to ideal body weight, but none have gotten to like the 120 or whatever you said you want to be. Um, or 140, maybe, I don't remember. Um, but either way, you got to do this. Look at, watch that video that I just linked up there. Get on my list so like you can email me your questions and updates. I'd love to hear um, how you're doing. But this is what you got to do to actually lose weight. Don't listen to anyone else because clearly they are not losing weight. So back to Anthony, in your opinion, is the equation of triglycerides slash HDL good indicator of preventing heart issues? I've read a few studies that say under two is optimal. yeah. So 2.5 uh, 2. or lower, um, the ratio, 2.5 or lower is the ratio where uh, plaques start to regress, um, where heart disease starts to regress. And that's kind of where um, we want to be. Um, so that's definitely uh, a true uh, formula. Um, so definitely, uh, try to do that. Triglycerides are kind of hard to lower. They usually indicate, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I don't think you were on yet, uh, guns, uh, Anthony, but triglycerides usually indicate metabolic health. You're, you're overweight, your blood sugars are high, your diabetes is out of control, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we want to try to get that all under control. Now, are there people who are very thin and in great metabolic health, but have high triglycerides that is genetic? Yeah, but that's genetically bad metabolic health. It's not because of choices you've made or being obese or overweight or whatever. Um, Talha, what are your thoughts on creatine? So yeah, creatine is an awesome uh, supplement. I tell people that you only need three supplements, the three teens, caffeine, creatine, and protein. Those are the three teens. Um, The three teens are the only supplements I ever use or take. I drink coffee in the morning. I get in lots of protein, including with shakes because protein is huge and creatine, I take like three, maybe six milligrams uh, a day. Um, so yeah, definitely do that. you usually for protein talha, you want to get about one gram per pound of lean body weight. So for most men that's around 140, maybe up to 180 grams a day. For most women it's like between 80 and 120, 140 grams a day. I mean it says, my oldest sister got sleeve and she's back to being overweight. <laughs> yeah, that is the same. Uh, so the ru- there's differences in the kinds of gastric bypass surgery. The sleeve definitely does that the most. Uh, there's other kinds. There's the Ruin Y. The Ruin Y has the best long-term outcomes of people losing a lot of weight quickly and keeping it off for a long time, but it has way more complications. You get short bowel syndrome. You don't absorb nutrients. Um, you have all kinds of problems with that, so it's a, it's, it's kind of tricky. Um, pick your poison, but honestly, I think I'm gonna for you at least you owe yourself to try this. Um, definitely, just try this reverse diet thing. add fifty calories a week and you know keep up keep me updated. I'll be more than happy to work with you and help you uh, out with this. Anthony says, thank you, sir. No man, thank you, thanks for being here. Uh, it's always nice to meet a famous NFL player. <laughs> All right, if we got any other questions, I was gonna go back to the uh, ones that were sent in, but I don't know if those people are actually on here. If you're on here and you sent one in, raise your hand, I'll read one of them. Um, Thanks so much. Yeah, of course, you're welcome. Okay, so I'll just read one last question. We're almost at the one hour mark. Uh, Last question. Here we go. Oh, this is related to something I talked about on the, the other podcast. I have a friend who is still overweight, works out like crazy, doesn't eat properly, and injects testosterone and anabolic steroids. Do you think this is a good solution? Uh, I'm not sure what's that, what that's a solution for. Um, yeah, so the problem with uh, anabolic steroids is that uh, if you don't, know how to work out and eat right, then you're kind of just wasting them. They're not really helping you. And they're putting you at risk. If this is something you're taking whopping doses of something that you don't need, you are increasing your risk of all kinds of things. And some of them we don't know. some of them we can't test because it's unethical. Like you cannot take, like a lot of people say, well, you know, the testosterone has been studied and cardiovascular risk is uh, lower. So yeah, testosterone's cardiovascular risk. Um, it's a u-shaped curve if your testosterone is really low you have increased cardiovascular risk but as your testosterone level goes up to the normal range your cardiovascular risk is the lowest but then at these people that are you know injecting whopping doses their cardiovascular risk goes back up again um now we can't test the amount that uh bodybuilders inject sometimes because it's just whopping doses and it's unethical. They're like one gram a week or two grams a week or just crazy doses. Um, we cannot actually test that ethically in a lab. We can go by what people say or do like these retrospective analysis where we ask them, hey, how much you used to use? Um, things like that. But we, you know, there's no way really to test that. But no. So your friend that's doing the anabolic steroids, he probably should work on getting his diet Let me move my microphone a little. Work on getting his diet straightened out first. I mean, if he's lifting weights all that much and, you know, he's not eating right, you're not going to see any of those muscles. So whether he's building them or not, I mean, if he thinks the anabolic steroid alone is going to help him lose weight, it may. There have been studies that show that simply just injecting anabolic steroids does cause fat loss and lean body mass gained. But sounds like your friend is also overeating. So that doesn't really help. Um, Amina says, I've been looking at your videos. Thank you. Very good. You're welcome. That's why I put them on there. So hopefully people can learn. All right. So I think we have time for maybe one more question. Cause I know we started about five minutes late while we we're waiting for people to hop on here. Um, one of my friends says she's taking pills to lose weight. Is there some magic pill or prescription to help people automatically get fit, lean, and healthy. <laughs> so no, there's nothing that's going to make you healthy. Now, now, losing weight will make you healthier. Um, I actually did an entire video on this topic. Let me find this. Medications for weight loss. There's actually medications that are approved uh, for weight loss. I'll post this in here. Um, there's no magic pill, uh, or supplement. Here's the thing. Like anybody selling you supplements, like this Golo diet thing, people are doing this Golo diet they're buying their release pills and all these pills and fat burners. That's all BS. Um, there, none of this stuff actually works. It's illegal to sell stuff that works over the counter. You cannot go online and buy fat burners or go to the grocery store or vitamin shop or Walgreens or Walmart, wherever, and buy fat burners that's just not first of all it's illegal and second of all they don't contain anything yeah they can say uh it's a fat burner they can say that all they want but really all it contains is a lot of caffeine and some other you know weird herbs and stuff all of us are on caffeine are we losing weight i'll wait for an answer nope no, nobody's losing weight on caffeine. Uh, so that's not the answer. So definitely that don't think you're going to like drink tons of caffeine or take caffeine pills and lose weight. It just does not work like that. Um, so yeah, none of these magic pills work. However, there are medications that work. Um, and number one is a class of medications in the Phentermine class or Adipex. It's a stimulant. It actually does ramp up your metabolism a little, but it's a huge appetite suppressant. Same thing with a lot of these drugs, the Topamax or the Contrave, the Belvique but that was taken off the market. The Bayetta even does it, semaglutide, the Rebelsis, Ozempic, Sexenda, you know, all those, that whole class of uh, diabetes drugs. Um, there's the combination of Welbutrin and Naltrexone. I think that's called Contrave. I don't prescribe it because they're like thousands of dollars a month. Um, there's another combo pill that's uh, Topamax and a low-dose fentermine. Um, there's a few, but there are prescription drugs for obesity, for weight loss, but you're not going to buy these over the counter. Don't go up to like, you know, some website and be like, Hey, I'm going to buy these pills like that. That's not what that's not weight loss pill. So yeah, I'm not sure who asked that question. I, I'm scrolling. I scrolled down. I can't find it, but there's no magic pills for weight loss. The magic pill is doing what we're talking about, cutting your calories or increasing them in some people's case. Um, uh, but those things do, do help. Yeah. So there's a few more things posted here. Do you think I can hit my weight loss goal in six months or is that too bad? No, you actually could. No, you're going to see loss right away. You're, you said you're 190 pounds. You're going to see weight start coming off. But you're not going to get to 140 pounds in six months. You might. I don't know. Um, but don't try to rush this. The slower you lose the weight and the better habits and, and, and uh, habits you develop and the better relationship with food you develop, the better for you. Um, so definitely do that. i mean, says, oh, my God, Topamax is awful, terrible side effects. Yeah, um, these medications, depending on the dose, I mean, everything is, it all depends on the dose, right? A low dose of something is safe and fine, but the, a different dose could give you side effects like water, for example. Well, drinking water every day is fine, um, but drinking tons of water too quickly can kill you. You can become hyponatremic, have seizures and actually die. Um, So the poison is in the dose for all these things. Creatine, you know, almost anything that's even benign, like water and air, Um, you know, stuff that's benign at certain doses. If you took way too much of it or too little of it, it may not do anything. And too much of it, it may uh, injure you or cause death even. Um, Like Tylenol. Perfect example. You take one or two tablets, it makes your headache go away. You take the whole bottle, it kills your liver and you die. Um, So the dose matters. Um, Kenya Young, I just joined, so I'm not sure if you answered this, but what is the best diet for weight loss and overall health and well-being? Kenya, I love you. This is the best question all day. No, I'm just kidding. This is a question I get asked every single day. Um, the best diet, Kenya, and I'll, I'll link you up to one of my uh, videos called the Leslie Diet. I had a patient named Leslie, uh, and this is exactly what he asked me. What is the best diet for me? So I was like, Leslie, the best diet for you is the Leslie Diet. It's called the Leslie Diet. So Kenya... The best diet for you is the Kenya diet. What I tell people is the reason I, and the reason I say this, I'm not trying to be funny, but the reason I say this is because Kenya, you've been eating what you've been eating for the last 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I don't know how old you are, but your last name is young. So maybe you're only 20 years old, but whatever you've been eating for the last half of your life, uh, it's probably what you're going to be eating for the next 15, 20, 30, 40 years. So I tell people like, take what you've already been eating, what you enjoy, what you love, what you would die to eat, you know, the stuff you love and enjoy, take that and take away some of it. Just reduce some of the calories out of it. Um, now if these are all trigger foods and hyper palatable, hyper processed foods, and they're just going to, you can't stop eating. Like if you like wavy potato chips, you know and you can't eat just four or five you have to eat the whole bag then you probably shouldn't be eating that but there's nothing wrong with eating lays wavy potato chips or ice cream or pizza or pop like whatever it is i don't really care but if you eat slightly less you definitely will lose weight and the key is though eating slightly less that's the problem if you're not actually tracking with like a tracking app It makes it really, really tricky because your body and the foods you eat, depending on which ones you eat and what you eat, um, your body can make you eat more than you should. Like, let's say you start taking away 30% of your calories, you know, instead of eating a whole pizza, I'm eating only, you know, three quarters of it. Tomorrow, same thing. The next day, your body's like, hey, you know what's going on? I'm losing some weight. Your body likes to stay at its current weight. It has like this set point that it likes to keep. So it's going to be like, eh, you know, maybe eat a few more almonds here and like eat a little bit more at breakfast, maybe one more slice of pizza isn't going to hurt you, but your body gets you back to your body weight. Now, if you're tracking calories, that can't happen because you know you hit your 1800 or your 20, 2200 or whatever you're eating, you hit your 2000 calories a day, boom, you stop, you're still losing weight. Um, so I would definitely uh, do that. I don't know if you downloaded my book, Kenya, um, but you you I'll be ha- I'll be more than happy to send it to you. Shoot me your email address. Um, but definitely like read, read through that, watch the Leslie video, if you want the Leslie diet, it's right there. But I would recommend like, like what, and, and like if somebody's like always eating fast food and always eating processed food and always eating junk food. Then yeah, my advice to them would be slightly different and be, listen, you need to start adopting a Mediterranean style diet. Um, because overall with all the research and studies we have, that's the only diet that has shown, first of all, long-term success, but even more importantly, Um, It's shown to reduce cardiovascular mortality, reduce 12 different kinds of cancer, you know, all kinds of things. So I highly recommend some type of Mediterranean-style diet, which is fruits, vegetables, olive oil, beans, legumes, uh, lean meats, whole grains, stuff like that. You know, it's not Pop-Tarts and chips. But there's nothing wrong with Pop Tarts and chips. And if you if you if you don't have if you didn't if you weren't on earlier, we were talking about having a good mindset and good relationship with food and not assigning moral value to food. Like Pop-Tarts aren't evil. You know, kale and quinoa isn't healthy. Um, this food is just food. You can't assign moral value to food and say, well, this food is always healthy and this food is always bad. No, it's just food, it's just carbs, protein, and fat and different ratios. You need more carbs one day, eat a donut. You need more fat one day. I don't know, have some heavy cream, like whatever, you know, you just gotta, you know, learn to use food as a tool and just view it as a tool. Stop looking at it as something you're always doing battle with. Like a lot of people, they're always at battle with their food, with their diet. Oh my God, I'm gonna go to a birthday party. What am I going to eat? It's just going to be cake and ice cream. It's going to be horrible. Like you're always have this horrible relationship with food. Like you're battling and fighting food. We don't want to, to do that at all. Um, so definitely try to do. That. If you scroll up a little bit, Kenya, um, there's a mindset uh, program that's free that I do. It, you, you can actually just watch it right now. Just go to drallo.net/mindset. Um, just scroll up a little, you'll find it. But I'll just type it in again. It teaches you. It teaches you how to have a really good mindset and relationship with food, not to assign moral value to food, how to, you know, use food as a tool, how to get away from that, like that whole food um, kind of behavior stuff that that causes problems and having a bad relationship with exercise. That's another one that's really bad. Um, Yes, Kenya. So thank you. She said, I I have a really bad relationship with food. Yeah, everyone does. I do. Um, People are always battling with food or fighting with food or, you know, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Food, food, food if you don't mind, can you share with us what your definition of a bad relationship with food is? I've, somebody asked me earlier in the chat, you can go back and watch us when it's posted live, but somebody asked earlier, what is your definition of having a bad relationship with food or bad relationship with exercise? And they said, I know that you always talk about having a good relationship with food and exercise. What does that entail? So when this is over, it'll be on YouTube, go back and watch, watch back that section. I think it was like halfway through this and we're at a minute 10 almost probably in the 30 minute to 35 minute mark, that was that question. But definitely my my definition of a bad relationship with food is like, kind of like what I've been saying, you're always battling food. You view food as the enemy and it's evil and I don't know what to do. And, and you don't have any confidence around food because food has always been this thing that has made you overweight or made you tired or made you sick or made you this or made you that. So you you view it as like the enemy almost. Um, that's what I mean by having a bad relationship with food. You're always viewing food as like this thing you have to be like always chronically fighting with. Um, and we don't uh want to be doing that. We want to love food. I mean you gotta love food. There's gotta be Kenya. One word answer. What do you love? What food do you love? Like if you if I if I gave, if I gave you a million bucks right now and said, eat whatever the heck you want, what would that be? I mean, it says mine is eating junk food. I always feel bad after eating it. Yeah. So don't feel bad. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, increase your calories. One way to increase your calories is to eat junk food. Now, uh, you're eating 1,400 calories a day, which is obviously too low. Some of the, some people like you struggle with increasing their calories because they feel bad. They're like, oh, my God, now I'm eating 1,500. Now I'm eating 1,600. Oh, I can't do this. I can't get to 1,600. What am I going to do? Well, you could actually eat junk food. They're, they're more calorie dense. And eating a small amount, let's say it's Pop-Tarts or chips, they're fried carbs, chips, nacho, fried nacho chips, whatever. You eat a little bit of it, like, you know, a handful like this is 450 calories where you're eating like a whole plate of salad and you're still not full and it's only like 200 calories. So that's one thing you can do, uh, having as maybe slowly add back some junk food. Obviously, if if junk food is like a trigger for you, And, uh, it's like, once you eat it, you can't stop Then get it out of the house. I mean, find something else. Um, but I don't want you to have such a bad relationship with food that you always could never eat junk food. That kind of goes against everything we're saying. I want you to be able to eat junk food. Um, but I need you to like get control of your mind first and and get, get it straight with your mind. Kenya says overeating a lot of junk and processed food. I can't eat just a few of something. I have to eat it all. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's, that's what, that's what, junk food does it's hyper palatable which means it tastes amazing um they they study this stuff the companies that make this study it they even know that the residue that's left over after you eat doritos on your fingers you know it's just so amazing and so good like that triggers like something like it just makes you happy like you know i ate the bag of potato chips you know doritos cool ranch and now it's all on my fingers and i'm like you know licking my fingers even that they study that like of course they could just bake that Taste right into it, but no, they know if they put that powder and the residue on there, it gives you more enjoyment because you're putting stuff in your mouth and you're licking your fingers, and it's like this whole experience, your fingers turn red, you know, whatever it might be, especially those hot Fritos. But definitely, um, you gotta <laughs> you're making me laugh. She says, Oh my god, so true. And she puts some smiling rolling on the floor faces. But you gotta find a happy medium. Like you don't wanna never eat junk food because that's bad like why would you never want to eat junk food? I don't know. eat junk food it's totally fine but you got to get to a place in your mind first where you're okay with that and you're not going to eat the whole bag and you're not going to binge on it and and obviously I'm not a food therapist or psychiatrist but I see these behaviors all the time Um, where somebody, and even myself, like, especially wavy potato chips. So I keep using that as an example. I love Lay's wavy potato chips or equivalents, generic versions, but you get that crinkle and that crunch and it's super salty. And it's just like, man, I just want to keep eating. Um, but definitely, yeah, I hope everybody's learned a bunch. Um, we'll skip the rest of these questions. Maybe we'll grab them next time, but definitely if you're not on my email list, I usually announce these lives on my email list. Um, we definitely try to do them at least once a month, sometimes twice, it just depends. Amina says, I love pizza. Yeah, who doesn't? I love pizza as well. But this is the thing. You can actually eat pizza that's not bad. Like If you get it thin crust, not a lot of cheese, tons of veggies, you're basically eating a salad that's cooked on thin bread. Like Who cares? That's pizza, but it's good. But if you pile on the extra cheese and you uh, pile on the extra toppings that are so full of calories, like more oils and all this stuff, then yeah, it's going to be a high calorie dense pizza. But if you make it thin crust, I mean, the, the crust is not that much calories, but let's say you're trying to lower your caloric intake, make it thinner crust, more veggies, no cheese, maybe just a little cheese. You've suddenly made a pizza salad that's cooked or something like that, but it's amazing and it's healthy. I mean, what's bad about it? There's nothing bad about it um kenya says this was very helpful thank you kenya that's what i'm here for so i'm trying to do so uh we'll try to do this at least once a a month get on my email list kenya just so you know when we do this again um sometimes i go live on instagram too on instagram though what's cool about it is i can bring you on and you can ask your question live so i think we're going to do that uh next maybe i'll try to do that uh let's see maybe like sunday night we'll try to do that Um, I love veggie mushroom pizza. Oh, I love that too. Mushrooms are great. They have like zero calories. You can literally eat three bowls of mushrooms this big and you've still consumed about zero calories. Um, Maybe it's like three to five calories, but still you get what I'm saying. Um, Kenya says, I overdo everything. Yeah, I mean, totally Kenya, but this is the thing you know it though you're admitting it you understand it you know it now you got to find ways to deal with it and 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 make it work for you and without knowing the details of like your age height weight sex and all that and and how many calories you're currently eating it's hard to give you like an exact plan of what to do but rewatch this and see what i told amina because she at first i was, Thought she was eating too many calories and I told her to eat only 18 or 1900. But then it turns out she was eating very, very few calories. And I gave her a prescription of what to do in that case. So go back and watch this once we're done. Figure out if you're like eating way too many calories or not enough. And then we'll go we'll go from there. Um, I'm going to says yes, very helpful. Glad I joined. Yeah, I'm glad to. Um, Glad you guys enjoyed this. I think we'll probably end it here, or this has probably been the longest one I've done so far. Um, but yeah, let me know. Definitely can kind you of go back and watch that? I don't know how long after you end the stream that it becomes live under YouTube, but i you know, it shouldn't take that long. Vicky says, thank you for this live and all you do, Dr. Allah. I'll see you next time. Blessings to you and your family. Yeah, next time you're back up in Toledo, let me know. We'll grab coffee or something. Yeah, and if anybody else wants to come out to Toledo, Ohio, that's where it is, that's where it's at, Toledo, Ohio. But Southeast Michigan, too. If you guys are up in the Detroit area or Ann Arbor or something, I'll be happy to come out there and meet you. All right, everyone, have a good evening. If it's evening or nighttime in your part of the world, and we will talk later, send me, uh, email me your uh, questions. Um, if you're on my email list, you can just reply to any of my emails. I save them, and I have them in a file here like we did today. But, yeah, just shoot me your uh, questions. And, and if you want, like – More details like Amina and Kenya. If you guys want a little more detailed, like you know, one on one stuff, let me know. Um, we'll definitely make it work. Oh, Amina says, I'm in PA, Pennsylvania. I don't know where in PA, but I used to live in Philadelphia when I was a kid. I think I was in first or second grade at the time. I think it was second grade, but I used to live in Philadelphia. Um, don't recommend it. i'm just kidding if you're from there it's cool i'm sure there are nicer parts of it we we didn't live in a good part we were little we it was bad but anyways that's all i got for you we'll catch up with you guys later take care and uh i'll post some more uh links we'll do more live streams for sure and we'll definitely do an instagram one just if if you don't have me on instagram those are really fun because i can bring you on it's just dr.alo that's my username on instagram dr.alo all right guys take care have a good evening Oh God, she's from Philly. I'm so sorry. We were, my dad was going to Temple University at the time. I was in second grade. We were in a really bad part of town. We got beat up at the bus stop every day. Our bikes got stolen. I've since gone back to Philadelphia and the better parts of it are super nice and people are super friendly, but where we grew up was not. So that's all I got to say. Take care guys. Good night.